This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Today we are wrapping up our series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. A little bittersweet. I've really enjoyed this series. I've enjoyed teaching it and have enjoyed uh, our conversations with Val. So we're not really done for good, we're just done for now. (laughs) Well, I have uh, Val again with me today. Really excited for our conversation. We're gonna be talking about misconceptions, common misconceptions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But before we get into it, I have a scripture I believe uh, the Lord would have me share about this. And this is in 1 Corinthians chapter two. I'm gonna read a few verses here. You may be aware, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth and he's describing how he was when he first came to them, kind of how he presented himself. Now check this out. This is really important. He says, and I brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And friends, that's what we need today. We need that today. We need the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God so that people's faith wouldn't be in the wisdom of man, but it would be in the power of God. And I'm all for good sermons and persuasive wisdom. And I'm, man, I'm all for logic and all and reason and things. But at the end of the day, we need a demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. If we don't have that, then it's just a bunch of noise. That's one thing to me. That's like one major thing. It's like, man, the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings the power. I remember so many, you know, church meetings and other things that I've been in and I've just seen the power of God moving. And it's like, oh my gosh, Lord, you are just so much bigger than my box that I put you in. You know, you're doing things and healing and setting people free. The baptism of the Holy Spirit allows me to walk in that power that he said that we would walk in. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, power to witness, power to minister. Now that's all great and dandy. But for me, if someone were to just corner me and say, well, why the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why are you so on it? Why do you guys keep preaching it so much? Why, why, why? My final answer to that at the end of the day is that my God has things for us. He has things for me. And he loves me so much and I love him so much. I want to receive and walk in everything he's got. If he took the time to write about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues in his word, and he took the time to record it, and he took the time to show us examples of these things happening in the early church, and he took the time to do these things in real life and, and, and tell us about it later and record it later and inspire it by the Holy Spirit later. If he went to the trouble of doing that, it's the least I can do to tap into anything that God has for me. It comes down to my love relationship with Jesus. And it says, man, 
Lord, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for everything you are. I don't want to leave anything on the table. I don't want to leave anything that you've done for me out there. I don't want to despise anything. I don't want to put, you know, cast a sideways glance at anything that the Lord Jesus did for me. And this thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, the Bible says that Jesus is the one personally who baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus is involved in it, I want in on it. The ministry is great. The power is great. The healings and the miracles and all that and the prayer and the intercession, man, it's all there and it's all great and it's all wonderful and it's all part of the church being the body of Christ, being the victorious bride, the victorious uh, bride of Christ that we see in the end of Song of Solomon, this wonderful queen of Jesus who is just walking in her power and, and valiant, you know, doing what we've been called to do. My identity is in my Lord. And he provided these things for us and I want it. So here we go today. Let's get into a vow. Let's talk about misconceptions with baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Last night I was considering talking about what uh, the, the misconceptions and the, and the things. And um, it's funny to me, Justin, that the people that have held these the the Pentecostal charismatic churches are the ones really that have helped fuel the misconceptions. (laughs) I've said this before. I've talked to Bible college students that did not understand, could not teach accurately what the baptism in the Holy Spirit was. Yeah. They just, they're, the first thing I did when I got saved, I went to Northwest, it was called Northwest Bible College. I don't, and maybe it was Northwest College by that time. And I took a doctrine class and a New Testament survey class and I audited it. I just 90 bucks a piece and I audited it. And that was fascinating. That was such a good thing to do because I took doctrine and doctrine's really important. The experience is important. But the perpetuation of the experience in the lives of others, which is our goal as making disciples, Jesus said, go make disciples, to perpetuate that into the next generation and the next generation beyond us, which hopefully is just a couple days. You share Christ with someone and they share Christ with someone, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the goal, at least. It's important that we have good, good doctrine. And so I think that, you know, we talk about the misconceptions and there are people in the body of Christ, I won't name them, they're big and they, they're influential and they're even on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I see it all the time. I was just watching a thing the other day where this guy said, well, speaking in the tongues of angels doesn't think what charismatic, or doesn't mean what charismatics think it does. Well, half of me agrees with him because I don't think some charismatics even know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. We know what it means. Angels can speak any language because an angel can communicate with any human down through the ages. So they can communicate with a man like Samuel Morris in Africa as a little tribe guy, little guy in a tribe. He was, I, I think he was a, a I think he was a prince in the tribe, but anyway, the the other tribe caught him, tried to kill him. 
And this is how slaves, much of slavery happened. One tribe would go and get another tribe and then they would either take them and kill them. And, but then they learned that they could take them to the coast of Africa and they could take them to one of the castles. And there, there would be the slave traders and they could sell these, these people, these precious mm-hmm. people into slavery to be taken mm-hmm. across the Atlantic. But an angel spoke to him, you know, and he had a tribal tongue. So angels can speak. There are tongues of angels. And I believe that there are angelic tongues. I I don't know how all that works. There's some stuff, but angels do speak in different tongues. So, but I think there's misconceptions and you're right about that. So what is one of the misconceptions that you hear a lot? I, I would say what I hear a lot is more of what I don't hear. And what I mean by that is it seems to me that there's just a general lack of teaching along these lines. And so people stay away from mm-hmm. it. And so that's kind of like the biggest thing that I hear is that people just don't talk about it. They might even go as far as to say, oh yeah, we believe in it, but they don't believe in it to a point of action. You know, it's more like, oh yeah, we believe it's real, but we don't, we don't, I mean, there's just no teaching. There's just, it's ignorance and it's not ignorance and like, oh, you're in a bad way. Like, oh, you're stupid or something. It's just, there's no teaching along these lines. And so I would say, um, Specifically, I've had I've had conversations with people that have said, "Oh, then this is one of my points here that tongues are of the devil." That's one that I've heard. <laughs> you know, and I don't doubt that there's people who have had real experiences. Uh, you know, maybe that have turned them off to these types of things, to tongues or like, and like you're saying, the charismatics. I mean, goodness gracious, we as believers, people who are, you know, saying that they're speaking in tongues and doing things, have done, like you said, done the most damage in many cases because we don't understand how it works sometimes. And we need to be careful with that. The original Pentecostals, the ones that, you know, Charles Fox Parham on is where where we, and, and Charles Fox Parham did a great job. He looked into scripture and he saw that there was an evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was speaking in other tongues. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 said there's diverse kinds of tongues. Prior to that moment, not Pentecost, not that far back, but prior to that moment, there was a lot of people, the Methodists, oh, the Methodists were fired up. And like I've talked to you about uh, Edward Irving, they called them the Irvingites, lost his whole church in Keswick. They voted him out. Actually, the church just dwindled basically to nothing. He had a life's mission to restore the gifts of the Holy Spirit back to the church. Now, here's a misconception, and I think it goes, and again, I think the tongues are of the devil. I think the problem is, is that if people don't know doctrine, they don't know how to stand on the word. Yeah, exactly. That would be like saying that healing is of the devil. Now, in biblical times, there were healings that happened supernaturally, and there are supernatural healings that are not of God. And they're still happening today. Yes. And when you believe God for a healing, that healing is from him. Yeah. So saying that tongues is of the devil, that's like saying if you're believing God for a healing, that the devil healed you. That's just crazy. Right. First of all, that's putting the, it's giving him way too much power. Again, last time we talked about the ants, the first century Christians knew exactly their seat of authority. When you are sitting on the throne, you do not need to worry about the other powers and principalities for you are on the ultimate throne. The important thing to know is that knowing what the word says, and I think if people 
understood the word in it like you did. You understood. You read the scriptures. It doesn't mean that people can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let's just look at Acts chapter 10. Okay. And, you know, Peter didn't understand faith really until Acts chapter um, 15. Peter was still very much operating, you know, under the old, the old law. Yeah. Because it was very hard for Peter to get into the fact that Peter didn't have a uh, road to Damascus experience like Paul had to have because Paul was a zealot. And I will say to people that are listening that if you're interested in learning more about Paul, N.T. Wright, who is an Anglican, I believe he's Anglican minister and just an incredible theologian, um, he's got a great book on Paul and who Paul was. And understanding Paul was a zealot, his teacher wasn't, his teacher Gamal was not. It's just fascinating to look into that and look into what he had to say. Now, in Acts chapter 10, Peter had gone to sleep. And just the, just the, the short version, Cornelius had had a, a, a vision. The, the angels came to him and said, go get Peter. And they went and got Peter and Peter had a dream and that things are clean that God made. Well, here's the cool thing is that Peter went in and began to preach to these people. And all of a sudden, he realized that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was a sign to Peter confirming what God had showed him in the vision. These people are clean and they, they don't need to go through all the law and the circumcision and all of that. This is a righteous man born again, you know, loving the true God out of paganism, which was, you know, in Rome. He heard them and he said, well, then how can these, we deny that these be baptized? Yeah. So, um, so the, the misconception that tongues is of the devil even the word, even Paul wrote, your mouth can't speak that it praises the Lord and it, it, it prays the, you know, the, right. the two things can't come out of you. And when you're speaking in tongues, you're giving, you're being given utterance by the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit is not going to give you utterance, but you have to have faith and faith comes by understanding the word. So again, back to the word. Yep. I, um, you know, I'm. This might be justinology. I'm not sure I can prove this with scripture, but I'm convinced that. I like that justinology. <laughs> you like that? I like that. Um, I'm convinced that everything that God does, and what do you think of this, Val? Everything that God does, that's good and amazing and awesome. The devil tries to copy. M maybe not everything, but most things, like healings, for instance, oh. or tongues. Like it's amazing. God created it. Like these things have a scriptural purpose, and they're amazing. But the devil will try to copy those things as a counterfeit to those things. Like, you know, uh, for instance, an example of that in, in my life is going back to one of the experiences I had with, with casting out a real demon. Um, we, this guy comes in and to the unlearned, he might have been speaking in tongues because he comes in to a Bible study. We were having a Bible study. Jenny and I were mm -hmm. leading a Bible study down at Dignity Village, um, the homeless uh, transitional community in Portland at the time. <laughs> transitional <laughs> that's, that's, that's good I like that transitional. We, we saw some people transition <laughs> yes it was awesome but we're down there and we're ministering to people I mean on the street we're having a bible study and this random guy shows up and we had no idea who he was and 
he sits down with us as we're doing our Bible study and we're like, okay, great. Like join us, you know? And he starts praying. He starts speaking in what sounded like tongues. And so it was interesting. And so, but inwardly my spirit was like, you know, something was sideways. I was like, this isn't right. Something's not right about this, but my natural ears, it it didn't, it sounded no different than than anyone else speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. Now Jenny Mm -hmm. sat down with them and she applied the scriptural test, right? This is why it's important to know the word. First John chapter four, she tested, she asked him, she said, has Jesus, looked him in the eyes, has Jesus Christ come in the flesh? He wouldn't look at her and he said, no, Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh. That's the scriptural test. That's where we know what spirit it's from. So now we have a a person who's actually under the influence of the enemy, who's speaking out and saying things that sound like speaking in tongues, but it was a copy. It was a counterfeit. We we cast the Mm -hmm. demon out of this person and and the guy was delivered afterwards. And it was this amazing thing. I mean, he, and he was set free and we saw him uh, a a time later and uh, he was totally set free from that demon. And he was, uh, you know, on fire for the Lord. It was a, a really cool thing. But uh, I think that's, you know, that's an example where I think the enemy does counterfeits. Now, like you were saying about the word and and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid of that happening to us because of the Bible. And in in Luke chapter 11, it talks about a father giving his son a good gift. A perfect father. And, And so let me read this to you. It says, this is Luke 11. Uh, verse nine, and this is Jesus talking. It says, so I say unto you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 11, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Of course not, right? That's the, that's the answer. You know, if your son asks you for a piece of bread, are you going to give him a stone to chip his tooth on? Of course not. If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? A snake that's going to bite him? A serpent, you know, from the enemy? Serpents are oftentimes talked about in the in the Bible as uh, evil spirits. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Of course not. <laughs> Here, it crawls. Oh, yeah. Well, Caleb, Caleb would, what, what is that? Well, Caleb might prefer the, the, the scorpion. The scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> In verse 13, if you then, this is Jesus talking, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask That's him? That's right. When we ask him, and what I'm, what the whole point of what I'm saying is that when we ask the Lord for, one of the, for a gift, when we ask him for the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the gift of speaking in tongues. He isn't going to give us a scorpion. He's not going to give us the wrong spirit. He's not going to give us a serpent. He's not going to give us the wrong spirit. So even though those things might Mm -hmm. exist where there are manifestations, I believe, that are of the devil that are copies and counterfeits of what God has, we don't have to be afraid as children of God because he's going to always give us a good gift. Let's properly doctrine this part out because remember who was talking. That was Jesus. Who was he talking to? Pre-cross Jews. Right. So... The Jews did not have a concept of what was going to happen, Joel, the book of Joel. They didn't have, they didn't realize, prophecy is funny. You don't realize the sequence of events until the sequence of events happen. And then you can point back and go, well, that was prophesied and that was prophesied. All of the prophecies, Isaiah, Joel, Zechariah, Jeremiah, Daniel, I mean, let's get them all, the majors, the minors, all of them. Can you imagine? Hi, you're a minor prophet. What was it? Obadiah got like one chapter. I'm like, dude, it better have been good. Anyway, um, 
But the point is, this is a very important thing. And this is something I really wanted to major on. One of the the issues is that do we ask Jesus to save us or do we receive salvation? Do we ask for healing or do we receive healing? Okay, so salvation, most Western believers, unless they're in a church that has to do a bunch of stuff for it and they're works-based, which is not good because that, well, we can get into that another time, but we receive salvation. He died on the cross. Paul said, died once for all. Okay, done at the cross, became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. We receive salvation. We don't ask Jesus, come in and save me. He's already done it, right? Now, as we know, Isaiah 54, 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, you were healed. So as believers, the children's bread, remember Jesus, the woman, you're a dog type thing. Um, This is the children's bread. We are children of God. Healing is the children's bread. He's already taken upon us all by his stripes. You were made whole. Every stripe that he took was a sickness, a disease. We receive healing the same way. We're messed up on that. I, I have Christians all the time say to me, I love you. And some of them are listening. They say, well, I know God can heal me. And there's some people that I'm fine with teaching that, but there's some people that I know that have lived as believers for an awfully long time. And I'm like, he already did. Right. Yeah. You're receiving it. And yes. there's the misconception of baptism in the Holy Ghost. Yes, it is. Yes. I've been studying Catherine Coleman. I love the way she, Holy Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> he poured it out on this day of Pentecost and it hasn't stopped pouring. He poured out his spirit. Yes beginning on that day as spoken by the prophetic word of Joel. It was that day. Now, the Holy Spirit had been active in the Old Testament. Yes, Barry couldn't have had him without the person of the Holy Spirit. The triune God, you know, we see him all throughout the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it was that place. Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is a receiving thing at this point. We are in the generation. You have, when you read the Bible, you have to realize what part you're in. Mm-hmm. We are post-Acts 28. We are 29. Yep. We're living in Acts 29. <laughs> I gave my, my kids, I said, I am 29. I am a 29. And they all have them in their little rooms. They have these little, these little um, framed pictures. They remember that they are the 29th. Yes. That's where we are today. Yeah. And so we need to receive it versus asking God to do it. And so whenever I pray for someone, I say, receive yes. the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because I don't ask Jesus to resave someone. Correct, right. I mean, I might have been a bad person, but I didn't, he didn't need to go back to the cross for me. You know, he did it 2,000 years ago. Done. 
And there was a gap, that little gap before the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But at that point, that was it. And he'd already breathed on the disciples. So we already had a group that was already, and and I don't understand the doctrine of all that. There's great theologians, and I'm not even going to mess with that. But we have to remember that, that it's a receiving and not an asking. So if there's someone listening today, all you have to do is receive this. And in the book of Acts, it says that there is an evidence. It's not the point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit as put forth by Jesus, the one who pours out the Holy Spirit, I will send you, he said it, is that you will receive power to be witnesses. That's what it says. You will receive power to be witnesses. Mm -hmm. And what that power will do, and what that power, again, Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. He had the Holy Spirit with that power. That's plugging into the power bank. When I was in uh, Haiti with my kids, they had this power bank, and they're selling them everywhere now. Some of them are solar or whatever. Uh, But there was a power bank, and it wasn't like one of those little minute chargers. I mean, this thing was, you could plug four phones into it, and it would charge. wasn't, you didn't have to plug into the wall because, well, power in Haiti's sketch at best. But, But you had this power, and this is the power to be the witnesses and whatever that power is that you need at the time. I personally believe that it open up, opens up believers to the door of the nine uh, manifestations. I will not say gifts because in the King James, that's in italics. It's not gifts, it's spirituals. Yep. The nine manifestations or administrations of the Holy Spirit. So I, I refrain from saying the gift of tongues because it in the Bible, in the Greek, it's not a gift. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, the evidence is that you have been, and then we have the evidence, and then we have praying in the Spirit and with understanding. So you can use that at any time. Now, some people switch it and go, well, it's as the Spirit enables them. But that's diverse kinds of tongues. There's tongues for, again, we talked about that, go to Honduras and speak in Spanish. Or the lady I talked about that, you know, she was in a meeting in Switzerland and there was a missionary there and he had been in Africa and he knew the Zulu tongue or the tongue that the Zulu, the tribe of the Zulu speak. And she spoke in that tongue and it was a sign to him about the Holy Spirit and about his wants to be active in his life. Uh, My husband prayed for a young woman in in a camp meeting and she spoke in the Native American language of Shoshone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a Shoshone, a man, I don't know what his background was, but he knew the Shoshone dialect. He was walking by the room and he said, why is she talking about the Bible and Jesus? In a language that is sacred. And she's as blonde and white bread as the day is long. You know, it's a sign So I think that that, I think if people can understand that vernacular words are important, doctrine is important, um, 
what does the Bible say about this? Get into it, dig it out. That's what a lot of people, they just, they have these, you know, they don't have your doctrine come from a Hallmark card, you know, yeah. don't have your mm -hmm. doctrine come from someone else's experience. You can have an experience and you can say, oh, I want that. I believe the people that are teaching me, but it's important to look into the word and um, to continue to have, you know, faith based on the word. We had a lot of people in the early part of the 19th or the 20th century uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Zusa Street Revival, all these people, but they, I don't think the doctrine was there. Uh, or maybe it had been in a few, but the masses didn't have the doctrine, you know, and and so that's hard. They can't perpetuate it. If we have to perpetuate it through one person, that's the preacher or the teacher, the CEO mentality of the church today, Lord help us. Uh, mm. If it's through one person, that person can't teach everything that everybody needs every week. You know, at the house, we have a we have a, a thought that when we come to a, a gathering, we have to preach to everybody at the table. And that is a, a person that's not even seeking, a person that is a seeker. You know, they're seeking out who God is. There's the new believer that's, you know, just toddling their way through the, you know, their Christian and needs to grow up. And then the progressing Christian. Yeah. I've had people, you know, say to us, well, you need to teach more on this and you need to teach more on this. And, you, and I'm like, no, go get your Bible and get some doctrine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Read it. It's not not hard. Just be careful what you watch on Facebook. Yeah. No, that's oh my gosh, that's so good. That's so refreshing to hear. I mean, I've the most amazing experiences, or I should say, the most amazing times that I've been able to have with another person and encouraging them and bringing them, you know, some sort of life and encouragement. It doesn't come from me telling a great story, although that might that might encourage them and stir them up. It doesn't come from me mm -hmm. having some great speech or something. It comes from me just saying, hey, here's your Bible. Look at it. And I'm just, look, read this verse, you know, read this verse. What does it say? And they just sit there and read the Bible for themselves and receive that revelation from the Lord themselves. That is That's the right. most powerful thing, you know, getting, and again, we've talked about this before. I think we talked before we started recording, but listening to someone else's revelation or listening to a some famous preacher, you can't live off mm -hmm. their revelation. You can't live off someone else's experience. You have to get into the word of God and have that revelation from the Lord yourself for it to stick. And so speaking in tongues, um, last time I didn't finish the whole thing, the story about how I was baptized in the spirit and spoken tongues. But I think the part where I left off was I was laying on the ground and the Lord was just like speaking tongues. And I'm, and I'm like, how do I do that? <laughs> you know? And of course he speaks my language. You know, he knows how how, how he designed me to be. And so he's like, just do it, which is speaking my language, right? Because if, if the Lord tells me to do something, I'm like, yes, sir. Okay. If you told me that I can do it, I can do it. I don't know. I don't care how I feel about it. You said I can do it. I can do it. And so I did. I started speaking in tongues. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew, and like you said, I knew enough of the Bible. I knew that it was there. I knew that it was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming and filling me like the, like the day of Pentecost. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to do it. And so it just started bubbling up. I felt in my spirit, really deep down, I felt what seemed like strange words that were trying to form, but they were coming up from my spirit. And so I made the choice with my brain to speak those words out. We, it, we, 
you yielded. You used the yes. word yield. Yes, I yielded too. And I think that's to, a super. It is because it's a gift. I'm yielding to this gift. I'm. I mean, I'm. I should say, I'm yielding to the gift that God has given me. Right. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. I know we, t- we talked about, you know, being careful with our vernacular, but I do want to highlight the, p- the fact that it is a gift as, as far as we're not working our way up. We're not asking, Lord, uh, all these things. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, it, it's something that we receive without, without those types of works. Again, the, I think the key word, the yeah. key word is receiving instead yeah. of saying. So I want to talk about tarrying. Uh, people say they, they yeah. tarried for the Holy Spirit. That is a misconception. That's a huge one. God, give it to me. Do it to me rather than visualizing like a, a sometimes, I mean, I know I used the 55 gallon bucket the other day, but visualizing that that's already there. You just, you just, like you said, you yielded. Yielding is a big part of it. Well, it's plugging in to something that's already there. Like yeah. your analogy in Haiti. That's totally what, that's a great analogy. Um, we're plugging into something that's already there. And I, yeah. I agree. It's such a misconception that, because I mean, I've, I've, and thank God I didn't go through this, but I know a lot of people who, like you're saying, have, have heard this teaching on tarrying and waiting and stuff. And they take that from Acts chapter two. Well, if you look at the Bible, that's that, you know what they were tarrying for? They were tarrying for the day of Pentecost, for the first initial for the prophecy to, to begin to be fulfilled in Joel. But, but we don't do yep. that today. We don't tarry. We don't need to tarry and wait for the, for the Lord to bless us or do things. We're just, we're, we, we need to yield and plug in. We have to understand in the word when it was a specific directive for a group of people or person, there yeah. are specific directives. Again, this is theology 101. Is it a specific directive from the person to the other people? Or is it a, ge- a general piece for the rest of the church? So that was a specific directive for the 120. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the day of Pentecost, which was the ingathering, which was the first fruits of mm-hmm. the harvest. The ingathering, people came from all over for that feast. God just didn't set up feasts because he wanted to have a party. Um, that was an important time of offering uh, and, and bringing people in. And so that was the mo- that was really important. So he waited, they waited, and that was the only time they had to tarry. I prayed for a very good friend of mine. And she had been, has she had grown up in the Assemblies of God tradition. And they have very solid doctrine on this. However, the people she had been taught by, the individual people, kept her waiting. God doesn't keep us waiting. It's the people who teach us that keep us waiting. Oh, that is so painful sometimes. Mm. But she, she had told me, she said, well, I've just been, you know, I've been asking and, you know, I've been told. And it was like, I don't know, forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was a young woman out on her own and she'd been learning about this as a kid. Again, all three of my children uh, were baptized in the Holy Spirit when they were very young. We were talking about it the other day. Mm-hmm. But the, as I prayed for this this friend of mine, I said, just receive it. Now, her faith had to shift, her understanding, not faith, her faith was there, but her understanding had to shift from, I have to wait for this 
Two, I can receive it whenever. I could have received it 13 years ago or whenever it was when they first prayed for her at a camp or a missionette's outing or something. And when that shifted for her, it took a few days. Now, I'm not saying that she had to wait, but it her understanding was shifting. And then she was in her car and she was driving to see a family member and it was raining. It was very stormy and she was in her little car. And uh, this friend of mine is from Southern California. And when there's a storm, you live in Northern California, but in the, in, down in the LA area, if there's just leaves blowing across the street and a small puddle of water, it's a storm. <laughs> uh, debris. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we, we get, you know, 100 mile an hour up here, that's, that's a storm. You know, that's, you know, we got something coming in off the coast. Uh, and again, like us, we get a couple, you know, we get a dusting of snow and everybody's been at Costco for nine hours, you know, yeah. making sure they stock up. <laughs> the people in the Midwest are just shaking their heads going, you people. Mm-hmm. But she had to shift her understanding. And as she was driving in her car, she was just praying and asking the Lord for protection. All of a sudden, it just began to come out of her. Mm. It just mm-hmm. began to come out of her. Mm-hmm. The purpose of it was for, again, for her to receive boldness, but then her prayer language, her baptism, her evidence came out of her. Yeah. That's a very important part of it. So sometimes it's a shift because there is, we don't have to tarry. That's like saying, well, God will heal me when he's ready. Number one rule of doctrine, of my doctrine, God is not a jerk. That's if you good. could take away any <laughs> suffering good. from Caleb, yeah. well, sometimes I use a more harsh word, but I won't. Yeah. Uh, if you could take suffering away from Caleb, how many times have I heard dad say this? If I could take yeah. the suffering that my child is going through, I would take it. And I look at them and I go, why would you? He already did. Yes. Yes. He already did. Now, that is a shift in understanding for many people. Mm-hmm. They've been taught, but great Aunt Tilly died of, you know, mm-hmm. the consumption or whatever. I don't even know what consumption means, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what consumption oh, is. Man. But she died of, you know, she died of cancer yep. and she was a yep. praying woman. Yep. Just because we pray a lot, and this doesn't mean we don't pray till we have good doctrine. Pray, 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 read your Bible and pray every day. There's a song. You can pray every day and not understand what the word is and what God has for you. Reading the word and getting understanding is is when you will receive. So receiving the baptism is the same thing. It's 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 not you don't have to tarry, tear, wait, wait. You can receive it right now. We don't have to do that for it's this this is the same as salvation. Right, uh, we don't have mm-hmm. you know. It's it's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You you know when you got born again. Uh, those of you who are born again who are listening, you know, uh, you 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 receive Jesus as a gift, and you understand understood at His some salvation. point after some yep. after some crazy Christian came up and talked to you about Jesus. <laughs> you you know now you're one of them. <laughs> you realize <laughs> that it was a gift that had already been completed. Jesus had already completed the work on the cross. It was a finished work. I'm saying, yes, Lord, I will accept that finished work. I will receive that gift, not on my own merit, but I will receive it because you said in your word that this is how it is. And you died on the cross for me. You took away my sin. You took away my sickness. You took away all these things. And I will receive the gift of salvation. And that's how we get born again. 
Well, it's the same thing with speaking in tongues uh, as the evidence of the f- infilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, when we receive the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. It's already been provided for. It's already been poured out. And so we're just receiving. And that is a very big misconception. And the, a lot of the roots of some of this stuff. So there's roots of misconceptions. And there's another misconception in the body of Christ. And it's called a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay. Now that's going to, that's going to rub some people up one way and down the other. We are not born again into a personal relationship with Jesus by the death on the cross, the sacrifice, the crucifixion at Calvary, and then the, and then he rose again on the, we are born again into the family. Yes. The family. The Middle Eastern culture 2000 years ago was not, this was not about a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not quite sure where that terminology came. Maybe it was the Jesus movement. I don't know, which was great. But we are born again into the family of God. We are born again into a family. It's not um, when you read the gospel or when you read the, uh, the letters from Paul, he's always talking to you as a collective. Now, this is, especially us Westerners, especially us Americans, because we're independent, bless God, <laughs> and, 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 and our freedoms are important, because our freedoms, there is a, a huge amount of the gospel that is in the world today because of the United States of America, as Amen. prophesied Amen. by a, I believe it was the great-grandfather of Christopher Columbus when he was dying as martyred by uh, after being stoned on the steps of a uh, North African mosque. Another strain of teaching. But anyway, we have to understand this is not about our, pr- this is a, a collective thing. It's for our whole family. Your name is self. I know your dad and your mom. I know your grandparents. Whatever your last name is, there's this collective that you're a part of that you came from. And your family is so important, and it was even more important in, the, in that time. And the idea of patronage and all that, it, it's, again, there's so much we have to learn about the times that the Bible was written in. But, but we are born again into a family. This is for all of us because it was purposed for all of us. Just like salvation was purposed not for the people that God, the chosen, but the church itself, the body is chosen. Yeah. It was foreordained the body. Yes. Join up, people. Get a card. Yeah. You yep. know, yep. get you know, get get in on this. Join the family. Everybody can join. When you think about that and the benefits in here, so here's the benefits of joining. This isn't just like Blockbuster Video or Costco. First of all, it's free you know, like Blockbuster Video, which I think there's only one left, um, but the, <laughs> but it's free to join. It's free to join. That You know how expensive Costco can be, you know, to join, but the benefits are massive. And you don't have to up your, ben- you don't have to pay more to get more benefits. All the benefits in Christ are there when you're in Christ. And this is one of the benefits. You can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues and have a prayer language, have the Holy Spirit, have Holy Spirit himself pray through you the will yes. of God, building yourself up, more revelation of the word of God. You can have all this. 
But again, it's a, it's a collective cooperative thing rather than I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I have my truth or my story. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's a big Your one. Your story is you were a sinner yeah. and then you got saved because you got in on it. Yep. You walked in. He didn't pluck you off the street. You made a per, you made, you personally made a decision. There's your personally. After that, we're family. Yeah. We're a part of the family. And that's important when it comes to the love walk and the, and the taking of communion. Yeah. So that, I think that's a misconception too, that, you know, people say, well, that's not my story or that's not my path or. Right. Or the denomination, you know, denominational this, denominational that, you know, um, the love yeah. walk, the family of God. Absolutely. Yep. I think that's another important part to know is that it is for everyone because mm-hmm. that is a misconception that it's, some people get, it's just like healing, but no, these are the bit. And people can, it's not for me to argue that with people because the word of God says what it says. He died once for all. That's it. And all of these things, all of these things are in Christ. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.